Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. So first off, it's hard to be Pastor Byron's water bottle holder. Okay, let me just throw that out there. You know what else is hard? Life. Life is hard. And I know you know life is hard because you wouldn't be sitting in the chair that you're sitting in today looking, searching for encouragement, looking and searching for an answer to the heartache. I want to tell you about my friend Bill. Bill was married for about 20 years whenever his wife was hit by a car. It was horrible, but she survived. Because of it, she had cognitive brain damage that was not good. This this woman, his wife, who was fully functioning, fully capable, and one day was no longer able to take care of herself. His wife needed 24-hour care. So Bill, being the man he was, and is, he quit his career to go be with his wife. All of Bill and his wife's dreams and aspirations were put to a halt in one day. Bill never thought that his life was going to be like this. He told me a story about how, um, well, actually, I met him about 15 years after this incident had happened. And, and Bill, he shared a story with us at this men, men's retreat that I, I met him at. And he said that a week prior to the retreat, his wife had actually wandered off into the woods around their home and she was lost. And they had to send out a search team. And something like 40 hour, 48 hours later, they found her and she was okay. She was hungry and thirsty, but she was okay. These are the hard realities of life and the situation that it brings. When I met Bill, I saw a strong, faithful man. I saw a man full of character and integrity. I also saw a man who was tired and he was worn out. Is anybody in here today tired and worn out looking for something to help them push through the suffering? We all ask ourselves questions like this when we're suffering. Why has this happened? Why me? Or why not me? Why now? Why so brutal? Why back to back with this other pain? Some of you in the church, you've experienced a father or a mother getting cancer. You watch them suffer. Some of you... You've experienced the loss of a child. Some of you, you unexpectedly lost your job and you were no longer able to provide for yourself or your family. And for some of you, I know, your marriage has fallen apart. See, for me, 
I watched my grandfather suffer at the end of his life for way too long. I'm 26, so I haven't been around long enough to have some of the life experiences that you guys have had, and I acknowledge that. But I watch. I watch, and I see the pains and the heartache of the people around me. Some of you in this room, I've prayed with you, and I've cried with you. What do you say to someone who's experiencing such tremendous pain? Keep your head up. All good vibes, bro. It doesn't work. Y'all know that doesn't work. What do you say to someone who's hurting so bad? Why is there so much suffering? Today, we're going to take a look at how Paul addresses this issue in the book of Romans. If you would, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We're going to look at four points that Paul makes about this world, our suffering, and what it all means. We're going to look at creation suffering. We're going to look at our suffering. We're going to look at God's promise in our suffering. And we're going to look at our security in the suffering. So point number one, let's get into it. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Paul here, he references back to the book of Genesis when we see sin and suffering first enter the world. God did not make the world the way it is today. Originally, there was no, no cancer. There was no death, disease, heartaches, or headaches. Everything was perfect. So why is there suffering? Why is there pain? Why is the world the way it is. Three chapters into the Bible, we get sin. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, fell, rebelled, and separated themselves from him. And because of that separation, now all of creation is in frustration. They're broken, fractured, flawed, and frustrated. And Paul says, creation is now waiting for mankind to be redeemed to reverse the curse of the fall. One author puts it this way. This is good. I could say that because I didn't write it. (laughs) The fate of creation is bound up with that of humanity. As it was through them that creation was marred, so it's through them, the glorified children of God, that it will be restored again. And you know what I find really interesting? 
Paul compares the suffering of all creation to experiencing labor pains in childbirth. Look at that again, verse 22, it says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Paul chooses childbirth, one of the most excruciating experiences known to mankind as a reflection of what all of creation is experiencing. Now, I never have and I never will experience childbirthing pains. Thank God. Ladies, you can keep that. I appreciate you so much. You can keep it. Um, I'll cheer you on. I will. Um, so, so since I, I don't have any personal experiences with childbirth, I did what Pastor Byron likes to do from time to time and meet with people at, at Redemption Church and see what their experiences were like. So I sat down and I spoke with, <clears throat> I spoke with one of my favorite married couples in the world, JC and Jessica Sanchez. And this is what Jessica said. So Jessica woke up one morning a few days before her due date, and her back was really bothering her. So she went ahead and jumped in the shower, and she's like, man, I'm hurting. I think I'm having contractions. Never had a baby before, but I think this is what's happening right now. <clears throat> so she said that doctors, I didn't know this, but doctors say whenever you are in labor, if your contractions are not, you know, you can't breathe, then it's not close, like you're okay, wait on it. And she wasn't quite there, but she was really hurting. So a few hours passed and she's pacing back and forth in her living room and she decides, you know what, like, I don't know what else to do. I'm hurting really bad. I'm gonna go ahead and go to the doctor. I'm gonna go to the hospital. So she goes and the nurse tells her, she says, um, you're not dilated. You're having good contractions, but you're not dilated. And this is your first baby. So it's probably gonna take it a little bit longer. So we're gonna go ahead and send you back home. Just relax, chill out. So she does that. She goes back home and she eats a bowl of cereal, <laughs> hops in the shower again, because that's what you do whenever you're starting labor, I guess. <laughs> and then she goes to the bathroom, just number one. <laughs> and when she flushed the toilet, the toilet backed up into the bathtub. So here we are, here we are. Jessica's super pregnant. <laughs> she has to call the plumber, and the plumber shows up to the house, and he's like, hey, you got plumbing? She's like, get to the bathroom. So plumber's in the bathroom doing plumbing stuff, and she's sitting on the couch in the living room with her knees up on the couch, leaned over the arm of the couch, just going, oh, it hurts! And then you hear the plumber say, Hey, are you okay? <laughs> and Jessica says, fix the toilet. <laughs> so it's been a couple of hours since her first contraction. And the plumber leaves, and she feels like she's dying now. So she's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and head back to the hospital. So she goes to the hospital. And of course, they turn her away. They say, no, you're not ready yet. Go back. So she goes back home. She paces around the living room more and more. And then at this point, she's like, can't take it anymore. She's like, nah, I'm going to the hospital and they're gonna do something about it. So finally, 
They admit her into the hospital and she finds out that her doctor's on vacation, which is exactly what every pregnant lady that wants to, that's about to have her baby wants to hear. So at this point, she's in so much pain. She's like, hey, um, all the drugs, all the drugs, all the, the epidural, all the good stuff, like, come on with it, let's do this. And the nurse says, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, <laughs> we're not there yet. Like, you've got to wait. Like, your, your body's just not ready. We're not there yet. But she said, but I'm in pain. I'm in pain. So um, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Hear me out. Um, whenever it is time, whenever it is time, don't hesitate. I'm not trying to be a hero. <laughs> so a few hours later, they finally give her the epidural. And as she's about to get the epidural, the, the nurse, he says, he says, hey, um, this is really going to hurt. But don't move because you could get paralyzed. <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> he says, it's really going to hurt, but don't move. You'll get paralyzed. She's like, okay, all right, whatever. Fine, just do it. Just make it happen. It's got to be better than what I'm experiencing right now. Hours later, the sun is coming up the next day. She was in labor for so long that her doctor came back from vacation, <laughs> went up to the hospital to help deliver that baby. 30 hours later, she had that baby. <laughs> Beautiful little girl. So after Jess told me this story, for one, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Jess, she, she said something really profound, and I want you to hear this. She said, there's something about going through labor. Your body is doing so much work, and it, hurt, it hurts more than, than, I, than you ever thought possible. But it's worth it because... You are going through the suffering for your baby. So even when it, when it hurts, when you're going through the suffering, it's okay because you know that when it's over, you will have that baby. And even now when I look back on the pain, I look at it with fondness. I can think of the contractions and how bad they hurt, but I knew my body was doing this for her, so it didn't matter that it hurt. I look back at the pain, and it's a good memory. With one of the most agonizing, excruciating, unbearable sufferings known to man comes joyful outcome of new life. Listen to what I'm saying. With the kingdom of God in this broken world, suffering with a purpose produces joy. Listen to what I'm saying. Suffering with a purpose produces joy. Let me ask you a question. When have you grown the most in your life as a person? It's always through the tough times. Suffering with a purpose produces joy. I think of my family and going through all of the hurricanes here in Southeast Texas and how we lost our house twice. It was really a rough season for our family. It really was. But you know what? We made it through the rough season. And because of it, 
We are stronger and closer than we ever have been before. So I look back on the pain with fondness because I know that there is new life in my relationship with my family. Paul says, one day we're going to be in heaven with Jesus and we will look back on the suffering of this life with fondness because we know that it led us to this point to be here with our Lord and Savior. Creation is suffering with pain. My family was suffering with pain. Jessica was suffering with pain. Creation is waiting for the liberation. My family was waiting for liberation. And Jess was waiting on liberation from that baby. (laughs) Suffering with a purpose produces joy. Which leads me to my second point, our suffering. We'll see that the suffering with a purpose does produce joy, as Paul continues in verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. I'm about to get really nerdy on you guys, so y'all just bear with me. I think this is so cool. One writer here, we, it says, here we see an example of already not yet tension. Already not yet. I want to make sure you guys are with me on this because this is a good point. I can say that again because I didn't come up with it. Already. Not yet. Ooh. 9 a.m. was much better than you guys. Already. Not yet. Okay, we're on the same page. Thank you. I love this phrase. Get this. The scripture is full of tension. Our life is full of tension. There's a tension that you cannot deny. For those of you who have made the decision to follow the calling of God, we live in a constant struggle of already, not yet. Let me put it to you this way. If you're at a buffet and you finish your first plate, what are you going back for? Seconds. You're going back for seconds. I don't know about you. Maybe you guys are polite and don't worry about that, but I'm going for everything I can get. So the first thing we see about this is that we see there's, there's something we already have, but it's something that we don't yet have. And we'll see that right here. So the first thing Paul says, we wait for the spirit in full. Paul says, those who have the first fruits of the spirit, see what I mean? Already. We wait eagerly, not yet. He's speaking to the Christians, those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, those who have acknowledged the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his completed work on the cross. It's interesting the language that Paul uses to refer to the Holy Spirit in this, in this section as the first fruits. We see back in Romans 8 9, 
You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. For those of you who have the first fruits of the spirit, you groan inwardly. This is something that has perplexed you. So listen to me whenever I say this. You groan inwardly because you have the Holy Spirit. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you groan inwardly. The Spirit of God living inside of you demands holiness. Anything less causes you angst. The Spirit increases our frustration at not meeting God's standards. You sense more than ever what God is calling you to be. You know in your innermost being that there is something more to come. Already, not yet. The second thing we wait for, our adoption as sons. Andy's sermon last week fired me up. I don't know about you guys, but it fired me up. Listen, Andy stressed the importance of adoption and that we are all sons of God and that we have an inheritance waiting for us. We are the children of God. As sons of God, you have an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. How crazy do people get over inheritance? I've seen entire families just split because grandma and grandpa have five acres of land that everybody wants, five acres of land. That's normal. I'm not talking about five acres of land. I'm talking about a kingdom. I'm talking about the kingdom of God that goes on and on for all of eternity, where the streets are made of gold, where there's no more death, no more suffering, no more pain, celebration all day, every day. Who wants to win the lottery? Don't lie. We're in church. (laughs) You already won. You have won the lottery. You won the lottery. It's yours every day for the rest of eternity, but not yet. Let's see what I did there. Already, but not yet. Like Andy said back in verse 15 last week, that we get to cry out, Abba, Father, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, already. So yes, we are the children of God already. But Paul says, we are not yet God's children in the way that we one day will be. One day we'll be with him. One day we will be in the fullness of the Father in all of his love. Already, not yet. The third thing we wait for, the redemption of our bodies. From the moment that we're born, we are dying. Our bodies are dying. It's the result of sin in this world and the sin in our own hearts. Paul refers to the rescue of this body from sin and death. Our salvation involves the hope that our mortal bodies will someday be liberated from the bondage of decay. Romans 8.11 says, if the spirit of whom raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the spirit 
who dwells in you. Why is there suffering? Because of sin and death. Can you imagine with me for one second what it would be like to have no sin and death? No one's losing their mom or dad to cancer. No one's ever losing a loved one again. Think about Jessica. Ladies, there would be painless childbirth. Woo! No more morning sickness, no more going to the doctor, no more doctor visits, no, no more epidurals, no more labor pains. If there was no more sin, then there would be no more suffering. You could just be super pregnant and walking around and, oh, what was that? I just had a baby. That was a pleasurable experience. Seriously, though, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, our, spirit, our spirits were raised from the dead. As a believer, your spirit has already been raised from the dead, but your body has not yet been raised from the curse of death. Paul is saying one day our bodies will no longer be subjected to the futility and corruption that all of creation is subjected to. Already, not yet. The fourth thing that we wait for, we wait for hope. Paul says, for in this hope, we were saved, were saved, past tense, already. We see there is hope we already have. And he very clearly says in verse 25, of a, talks of a hope we do not yet have. Paul assures us that this hope is not like a hope that anyone on the street would think about. It's not like, oh, I hope I get this job. I hope you do too. I hope I win the lottery. I hope you do too. And I hope you tied to Redemption Church. <laughs> Listen, Paul is letting us know that the hope of a Christian is concretely found on God himself. It's not something that's just a dream. It's a promise that's going to take place, and you can count on it. Paul says that we wait for hope patiently. Different meanings of the word would be with endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, one of my favorite things that I've ever heard Pastor Byron say is this. The evidence of a Christian can be found in their perseverance. I'm standing here today to encourage you in the midst of your suffering, hold on to hope. Do not give up. Do not give in. Hold on to hope. You have a hope Founded on God himself. Keep persevering. Hold on. One day, the glory of God will be revealed in you. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Hold on to hope. Somebody today needs to hear that. This leads me to my third point. God's promise in the suffering. 
Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groaning. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Anyone today feel weak? (laughs) You're tired? You've been fighting? You've been fighting really hard. You've been fighting for your life. You've given it everything that you've got. Life knocks you down and you get back up. Life knocks you down again and you get back up. Life knocks you down again and you right whenever you think you have your feet underneath you. Life knocks you down again and you get back up and you're tired and you feel like you're on your last stand. I have good news for you, redemption. Paul says, the spirit of God helps us in our weakness. It's okay to feel weak because the spirit of God will help you. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I'll be honest with you guys. When I'm suffering, my first response is, I have to be stronger. Try harder. Try harder, Ethan. And when that doesn't work, my response is to run away. Maybe it's my Enneagram six wing five. I don't know. But my first response should be to pray. Amen? The past two weeks have crushed me. There for a while I thought, Pastor Byron is setting me up for failure because he knows I can't do this. I can't get it together. I can't get it together. And Brandon, Brandon's at a jiu-jitsu tournament right now in Austin, probably picturing my face on every single person that he's choking out because I can't get this together. I'm struggling. I can't do this. Why did they choose me? And you know what? I can't do this, but the spirit can. I mean, assuming that this sermon goes well. (laughs) But what about my friend Bill? Remember Bill? How has Bill been able to hold on in such a tough situation for he and his wife for so long? It's because Bill knows something. Bill knows that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Your first response to suffering is, I can do it. I can do it on my own. I got this. I can do this. And Paul says, no, you can't. How can you overcome all of creation's frustrations? How can you overcome the suffering of the world? You can't. But the Spirit can. 
And that's a promise. So you've tried to fight. There's some people hurting in here today. I, I feel it. You've tried to fight. You've tried to run away. And that doesn't work. So now you have to pray. But God, I don't even know what to pray. Paul says, even when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit does. You can't, but the Spirit can. And because, because it's the Spirit that helps us in our weakness, we know all things work together for us. Because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. And last time I checked, his track record is really faithful. If he is our help in our weakness, then we can know everything's going to be good. And that leads me to the last point. Four, security in our suffering. Verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among brothers, many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You can find security in your suffering. So there's a lot of theological debate on the ins and outs of this scripture right here. But there's one thing, the most important thing, that Paul wants you to know. If you know anything, know this. God has done all that needs to be done on his side of things to secure our eternal glory. You just have to respond. He's already made the decision. Those he justified, he has glorified. Justified means to be made righteous, blameless, and innocent before the eyes of God. You can find security in your suffering because you know that you are his. So when you feel beaten, when you feel bruised, when you feel broken, when you feel alone and forgotten, remember, if you've turned to God, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be with you. And you can always hold on to that and make sure you do because suffering is coming. That's the way life works. You hold on to that if you hold on to anything. <clears throat> so let me ask you one more time. Why is there so much suffering? The answer is clear. Because things are not the way that they were intended to be. Because sin has fallen on this world because people have sinful hearts, because you and I have a sinful heart. Why do we see so much suffering? Because all of creation groans for the return of its rightful king, and his name is Jesus. Because of the sins of our first parents, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that separated us from the holiness of God and all of his goodness. We were destined to eternal suffering, 
a life in eternity, separated from the goodness of God. But God is so good that he gives us a spirit in full. God is so good that he gives us adoption as sons and inheritance. He gives us redemption. And he gives us hope. He had a plan. He sent his son in the flesh to live a pure, sinless life we could never live to die the death we all deserve, to pay a debt that we could never return, all to allow the opportunity to be reconciled back into relationship with our Father. You just have to accept the invitation for what God has already done for you. And we wait. We wait for his return to redeem all of crea- creation. <clears throat> Listen to me. There will be no more suffering one day. Revelation says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There shall not be any more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. For in this hope, We were saved. To those of you who do not yet believe, this is hard for me to say. You will continue to suffer the rest of your life, and it will be meaningless. one day, your body will pass away, and you'll stand before your creator. C.S. Lewis says this, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God says, your will be done. All All that end up in hell, choose it. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. And for those of you who are believers, know that your suffering is not in vain. You suffer with a purpose. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Life is hard. Life is really hard. This life is full of suffering. You've come here today looking for answers and looking for encouragement. My prayer is that you've found answers today and that you've been encouraged that there is hope in this life and his name is Jesus. Bill did not suffer without purpose. Jessica did not suffer without purpose. And Paul wants you to know today If you trust Jesus, you will not have to suffer without purpose. Your suffering is not hopeless. Your suffering is evidence that hope awaits your future. 
there is a promise that glory is going to be revealed in you. Hold fast to the promises of God. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.